when it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices. Things can get complicated fast. With Vanta, you can automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform can help you unify security program management with a built-in risk register and reporting and streamline security reviews with AI-powered security questionnaires. Over 7,000 fast-growing companies like Atlassian, Flow Health, and Quora use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. You can watch Vanta's on-demand video at vanta.com slash decoder to learn more. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash decoder. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Hello and welcome to Decoder. I'm Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge, and Decoder is my show about big ideas and other problems. I co-hosted the Code Conference this week where I had the opportunity to hang out on stage with Monarch Tractor CEO Praveen Penmetza. And honestly, this was one of my favorite conversations of the entire event. We spend a lot of time here on Decoder talking about electric vehicles and the future of cars, and we're usually talking about passenger vehicles or maybe cargo vans. But there's another huge industry that can also reap the benefits of electrified transportation. That's agriculture. We are utterly reliant on farming as a species, and farming is utterly reliant on tractors. If we don't have tractors, we don't have food. But electrifying farms is hard, and Praveen explained how he and Monarch are trying to tackle that challenge. Praveen and I managed to cover a lot of ground in a relatively short amount of time on stage. Farming is a very old business, and it's hard to make big changes. You'll hear Praveen say the average farmer only gets 40 shots at iterating their process, 40 seasons of growing. And Praveen sees lots of opportunities for farms to make the transition to electric autonomous equipment without disrupting those 40 cycles of agriculture. And of course, there's a lot of opportunity for his business to benefit from that transition. Monarch has three ways of making money, he told us. There's the tractor hardware, of course, selling the actual vehicles. There are subscription fees. Monarch charges a recurring fee for its software platforms, which is smart tractors as a service, which is pretty good. And then there's licensing. Monarch has a deal with Case IH, a gigantic tractor company, to use its platforms. The goal is to compete in an open way with closed platforms like John Deere. Praveen described his goal for the Monarch platform to be the android of agriculture. It's pretty good. Okay, here's Praveen Penmetza, the CEO of Monarch Tractor. Here we go. Hello, sir. Tell us a little bit about Monarch and what's going on with this tractor. So our mission at Monarch Tractor is about how do we make farming sustainable and farmers profitable. It might come as a surprise to most of us that less than half the farmers in the country actually make any money, less than 42%. And most of our farming is not farmed sustainably in terms of not just chemicals, 
but also in terms of how we use our resources, everything from water to fertilizers. The way we decided to go about it was to build a small tractor targeting the fruits and vegetables farmers. That's where most of our food comes from. And it's electric, it's autonomous, and it's smart. And what this allows the farmers to do for the first time ever is to have a tractor that generates new revenue streams for, for them using all the data that it collects while doing operations on the farm. So it's a familiar form factor. So I look at this tractor, I say, okay, we can sell it to a lot of people. It's still got a steering wheel, it's got a battery <laughs> in it, right? But the thing is festooned in sensors. Go look outside, it's covered in cameras and sensors. It has machine learning embedded in it. You are headed towards autonomy. You have a software platform that can control multiple tractors at once. There's a long way between fruit and vegetable farmers and someone has 1980s things autonomously driving over a connectivity platform. How are you doing right now? It's been just a little over a year. Where are we on the journey? Yeah, so we launched our tractor commercially mm -hmm. in December. Yeah. So now we are the only electric autonomous vehicle that one of you can go out and buy. <laughs> I'm very proud of that fact, right? Because you don't Nobody have to else. <laughs> you can do whatever you want on a farm. <laughs> on a road, it's a problem. Exactly. Right? So the fact that we're out at commercial scale, that the fact that we have Foxconn, you know, the maker of our electronics devices, building the smart electric machine for farming for tomorrow, today, out of Ohio is a big deal. So we have more than 200 of these machines out on farms doing activities, which gives Those us a Those are feed. in customers, they're not test units. You sold 200 of them. They're in customers. Last month, we delivered 75 plus tractors to customers, trained them, and walked away. And walked away. So they're using electric autonomous machines now. And are so you collecting are. data back off these tractors as the customers use them? That's the great part is because the, the tractor sits at the center of every farm, we get to see every operation from day one when the farming activities start all the way till post-harvest when things stop. So we get data not only on what's happening out in the farm with our cameras, but the who, what, where, when, and how. Most importantly, the how. How are they farming? All of this comes in from our vision systems, 3D cameras as well as standard cameras. And then we use AI and a lot of data scientists to kind of put this data into some structured uh, uh, data lakes that we can yank insights and reports out for the whole ecosystem. So when I hear that sort of yeah. thing, my mind leaps to, okay, you've built a proprietary data system, the farmers are locked in, they're gonna end up in a, some sort of subscription contract with you, and the, the tractor is just the beginning of a long potentially tortured relationship. And I say that because that's exactly how John Deere works, right? And that's what lots of farmers are saying, okay, John Deere collects a lot of data, they're gonna sell us the seeds, all this happens. Is that your business model or are you gonna be more open? No, we are completely different from that world, right? That was the whole reason why I started Monarch Tractor was to change that. Right now, farmers can't even repair their data or do diagnostics on their tractors without approval from the OEM. What we are doing at Monarch is we are licensing our technology out to all the tractor companies. One of our big partners, Case New Holland, is the world's second largest tractor company after John Deere. We have given our technology to them, so they sit on our data stack. So we are basically becoming the Android of agriculture, and the whole ecosystem can access our data lake through our APIs and provide reports. And we are very happy to share everything that comes off of our tractor with everybody in the food ecosystem, not just the farmer. Could be you and me. Yeah. Today, we live in a world where you and I know more about the DoorDash person that delivered our food than the person who actually grew our food. 
And that's what has created this uh, vicious cycle for us in our food ecosystem. When you think about that approach, the Android of agriculture, it's a yeah. good line, just to extend the analogy, at the high end, the iPhone does not seem all that threatened by Android, right? Is, is, are you making an open always wins kind of play here, or are you saying there's going to be a huge market and we're going to coexist with a more closed market? No, there is going to be a huge market. Today, we only have three million tractors sold every, every year. Mm -hmm. And we have like two billion plus acres of cropland. I'm not talking about you know, grazing land and stuff, cropland. By comparison, 70 plus million cars are sold every year, right? So it tells you the disparity and also the opportunity for agriculture smart machines. So long story short, in the next 10 years, we'll need a lot more of these machines if you're going to stop using chemicals and do more operations on the farm. So this 3 million is going to grow. It's already been growing for the last five, six years. This market is going to blow up. There'll be new entrants into this market. We are seeing that. Um, you know, we are seeing people from the uh, food ecosystem come in, not just the equipment ecosystem. We are seeing input companies like fertilizer companies are now building devices. Yeah. So this whole market is going to blow up, and our whole idea is to allow this to happen by giving them the technology that allows them to build smart electric autonomous machines for farming. So is that your revenue stream, is the, the platforms and the technologies, or is it actually selling the tractors? So right now, we make money in three ways. We sell tractors, yes, we make money on the device side. We also sell subscriptions to our connect and automate platforms, which is the digital subscriptions that farmers pay us for. But the third uh, revenue stream is our licensing revenue stream. You now, Case New Holland is our first one. They've already announced two tractors powered by Monarch technology. And now they're using our verbiage, which is open ecosystem, to differentiate and bring a new play to the ag market compared to what John Deere is doing. Yeah. So long story short, three revenue streams, hardware, digital subscriptions, and OE licensing, and we have unlocked all three already. So this is not uh, hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> we have recognized revenue sitting on our financial statements for all three, right? Yeah. So the market is ready. I grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, driving past the Case Factory every <laughs> single day of my life. You can see why I'm obsessed with, with, uh, with tractors. Let's talk about the, the actual physical challenges of an autonomous EV tractor, yep. whether it's yours or someone using your platform. It's all the same problems as cars, right? Yesterday, uh, Ravine CEO was here. Somebody asked him, what happens if this thing lights on fire? Well, that's hard on a road. What happens if it happens in a field? How are you protecting the batteries? How are you sourcing the batteries? How's that going to work? Yeah, so a couple of things there. Number one, ag is very challenging in terms of robustness and durability. Like uh, the shock loads that our tractor sees on a day-to-day -day basis would set off the alarms on your car, <laughs> set off the airbags, and would turn off your battery system right away for safety. We see that on a day-to-day -day basis. The amount of movement also that we see, whether it's in terms of climbing hills or our roof system with our GPS moves around two and a half feet sometimes, right? So how do you get a couple of inches of accuracy when the tractor platform is itself moving feet? Right? So there's a number of technical challenges, number one. Number two is on the safety side, we are able to leverage all the work that's been done, both on the EV platform as well as on the autonomous platforms. Right? So we get to stand on the shoulders of all the people that have done this work in urban mobility, but take it in a different way. And the challenges we face in ag, other than the robustness side, is margins. Farming is a very low margin business, which means we have to provide value for the farmer as a product from hour one. If you tell farmers the payback is four years, you and I might be amazed by it, they'll walk away. <laughs> so payback for farmers has to be in months for them to actually buy this. So we had to make sure that the tractor saved money on diesel, autonomy was a big unlock, 
Tractor drivers are very skilled operators. If they get a job wrong, it shows up in the yield six months later. So those are the kind of challenges that we're solving today, and those are all product challenges that we ran into. Is there take up from farmers on autonomy? Are they saying, fine? Yeah, right now, solve? you know, I'm, I'm amused to see some of the numbers from the automotive OEMs, but we actually have 30% attach rate on our autonomy. I'll tell you what that means. That means three out of 10 of our customers are paying an annual subscription for autonomy today worth eight plus thousand dollars. They're paying us eight plus thousand dollars per device today, three out of 10 farmers are. And you said you, you, know, you, you hand the tractor over, you walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Like, <laughs> how, does that, how, do you, how do you make sure they're safe? Right? On roads, you have rules, you have laws, you've you know, got a department of transportation. On a farm, what happens if they're your tractor on the loose? Yeah. So that's where the safety regimens kick in, right? Yes, everything is still geofenced. We have a whole deployment team that helps them on day one. This is very much like deploying enterprise software, right? Where we kind of walk in there and we say, we'll train your whole team. Let's set it up. We'll help you just take an outside geofenced map of your block. We'll tell you what the first row looks like, last row, middle row looks like, check your connectivity. And then you can start to use operations. If in doubt, the whole thing comes to a stop. Yeah. It's supervised autonomy. It's not teleop. It's supervised autonomy. So the supervisor can jump in and keep track of like six to eight tractors at a time and say, oh, that thing is asking me for some this intervention. This is your supervisor as part of the subscription or this is the farmer? Farmer supervisor. Farmer supervisor. And when I say supervisor, we have elevated the existing tractor driver. Okay. Right? One thing that I was blown away by 10 years ago was just by looking at how Uber scaled in countries like India. Right? I went there and this person who came in from the village who didn't speak the language, same language I did was able to drive a car, take me to my destination. The whole transaction happened, right? and he was able to make money. If they can do that, can we elevate an existing tractor driver to be a supervisor of a fleet of six to eight tractors with the right technology abstraction? Yes, we can, and that's what we're doing. Farmers are obviously very concerned about durability, about repairability. These are the things that people are concerned about with EVs. How, does, what, how durable is this battery? How durable is this machine? How expensive is it to fix? Yeah, so that's a great question. Tractors are very often used for long periods of time for two reasons. Number one, there's no new value that you get by getting a new tractor. It doesn't give you something that the old tractor does, especially in the small tractors, right? Yeah. So people tend to hang on because the new machines are actually less reliable yep. thanks to all the emissions equipment. The second thing is essentially they are looking for a payback here. So the value proposition comes from the tractor maintenance costs overwhelming you. That's why they swap tractors. With our tractor, our battery comes with an eight-year warranty. We understress the battery right now. This is an energy play, not a power play, number one. Number two, there's no DC fast charging on farms because the electric infrastructure doesn't exist. So we take advantage of that on the product side to increase the longevity of the pack. But also, more importantly, we have built this to be sustainable. If you look at our tractor, when you go out and check it out, you'll see that the battery is swappable, which means tomorrow when there's new chemistries, we'll just swap the battery out. You don't need to sell your whole tractor and buy a new one, number one. Number two, the roof system, which is completely self-independent. You should actually, if some of you walk out there, do pay attention. There's only two cables and four bolts that hold the whole roof down. The two cables are data and power. So that whole roof can be upgraded two, three years from now with a new sensor suite, new computer, new connectivity. All of that is in the roof. So what this means is farmers can hang on to the platform, upgrade the roof if they want to, upgrade the battery if they want to, 
and get even better lifetime from our tractor than what a traditional tractor does today. If you want questions, we can line up here. I've got a couple more for you. You mentioned DC fast charging. Charging is a pain on cars, on roads, yep. with infrastructure. How are farmers managing this? What's the range? What's the longevity of the tractor? So that's one of the big challenges that is actually preventing the energy transition of farming. Electric infrastructure, like you're pointing out. What the tractor is doing is, for the first time, if a farmer buys 10 of our tractors, that's a megawatt hour of energy. If they deploy solar on the farm, which we are now enabling them to do as a package, they get even better payback both on the solar side as well as on the tractor side. The reason for that is our tractor actually does triple duty. It's a tractor. It acts as a mobile genset. So for the first time, the farmer can take a tractor to the middle of the field, plug stuff in, and power stuff off of their tractor, just like what the Ford uh, Lightning does, etc. More importantly, while it's standing at your barn, connected to your solar, it acts as energy storage, making you money as a farmer. So in California, there's a program where farmers can make money by putting this energy back into the grid. So, and also by demand response programs, which utility companies love in rural areas. They might not like it if you do it in downtown San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> but in rural areas where there's limited supply, they like that. So this triple play, is a great product view for us to allow farmers to get more utilization and more revenue streams from a tractor. Yeah. So that's how we are addressing the, the limitations of uh, infrastructure. We also have a swap cart that has its own charger. So you can actually take it into the middle of the field, swap the battery on our tractor, and keep going 24-7. Yeah. Last thing, you mentioned this is not just happening in the United States. Yep. Particularly on the energy side, you're expanding much larger. Yeah, our goal from day one has always been that this is the device. Every device on our farm needs to be zero emissions, needs to be some form of automation with the lack of labor that we have in farms, and needs to be smart so you and I know how our food was grown, and also we can allow farmers to make more money. With that goal in mind, we built a tractor that uh, will scale to every farmer. Our goal was a farmer in Africa or South Asia can eventually afford one. So I'm super excited to announce that we have just signed a partnership deal with the largest clean energy infrastructure company in India, who is going to deploy our tractors in India at scale as a service so that small farmers who have two, three acres can just rent a tractor when needed from the infrastructure uh, uh, deployment and then use it and return it. Yeah. And that's for me is going back uh, a full journey to taking this tractor back to countries like India. That's amazing, you heard it here first. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Q&A from the Code audience. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Debate time. Who gets more out of Wix Studio, designers or devs? First off, if you don't know about Wix Studio, it's a web platform offering the flexibility agencies and enterprises need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Now, back to the debate. Designers, you can create fully responsive websites, starting with a blank canvas or choose a template for any layout and tweak per pixel with your CSS. If no code's your thing or you just like to move fast, there's also a ton of smart features like native no-code animations and responsive AI that adjusts every breakpoint. Devs, Wix Studio offers a powerful suite of homegrown web APIs and REST APIs quickly integrate, extend, and write custom scripts in a VS code-based IDE alongside an AI code assistant. 
designers, or developers. Search Wix Studio and find out for yourself. Support for this podcast comes from Hims. It can be challenging for men to speak about their health, and whether that's a fear of being vulnerable or just wanting to keep things private, there are just some things we would just rather keep to ourselves. Hims knows how you feel, which is why they're looking to provide you the help you need discreetly. Hims is a men's healthcare brand looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms and no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash decoder. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash decoder for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash decoder. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash decoder for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. We're back with some smart audience questions from the Code Conference for Praveen Penmetza, the CEO of Monarch Tractor. All right. Questions? Thank you for this. This is so fascinating. Um, just a bit... Uh, I'm Daniel from DR. Um, this, uh, a bit more elaboration on this, getting a new device like this into the hands of farmers because they... They are so dependent on interconnectivity to their, to their old equipment, and sometimes they also share the tractor between farmers with all this equipment. And this just tends to be very conservative because they, they know what they get. How have you broken those barriers? That's a great question, and that comes to uh, our big differentiator as Monarch Tractor compared to our competitors. Is You made a great point, which is we cannot change farm operations. People don't understand that farmers get 40 iterations, 40 tries, in their lifetime at farming. That's 40 seasons, right? If you ask them to say, hey, can you try something new? <laughs> That's one down, right? So w- what we have done with our tractor that is very different to everybody else is we, we tell our farmers, you can use the same implements that you have on your farm today. You can farm the same way. All I'm asking you to do is to swap out your tractor for hours. That's it. There's no operational change. Same implements, same attachments, everything else remains the same, same driver. So that has been the key to, uh, key to the transition. The reason other people don't do it is that's crazy hard, because we have now had to make sure that our hydraulics, our gearboxes, all the implement attachments, everything can be by wire controlled and can be controlled from the cloud, and we get full data on each one of those things. That's the, the deep technology part of this you know, simple-looking tractor. <laughs> so just uh, when are you rolling out in Europe? So we actually have two tractors that have hit the ground in Europe this week. The first one is being piloted in Italy by the end of next week. So we also have a tractor in New Zealand now. And that's the great <laughs> thing about tractors is you can go anywhere and like a car, right? There's no regulations <laughs> and compliance. If market. you guys are trying to get your device into market and you want to skirt regulations and compliance, call it a tractor. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Peters. Uh, this is Jay Peters with The Verge. Um, how far away do you think we are from some kind of federal right to repair legislation passing for agricultural equipment? Yeah. 
So there's two things there, right? Just to unpack that a little bit. The reason there's a right to repair issues today, and I have a lot of sympathy for all the diesel companies that build tractors, is that's all emissions regulations driven. You cannot let somebody monkey with your emissions equipment that is not certified to do so. So the tractor companies are struggling with that part. But the key here is once we transition to electric smart devices where the data is, can be open and it's not emissions driven or compliance driven, the data pipe should be open. So that's the dichotomy is to, you're asking me to answer a questions on will the government allow farmers to monkey with emissions equipment on a farm? They won't. Not going to happen. But if you go to electric zero emissions and it's not emissions related anymore, farmers should have every right to modify their tractor, come up with their own attachments, train it, and use it, which is what our tractor does. They can make their own custom implements, attach it to our tractor, run some training logic, we train the platform, and start operations. Thank you. All right, very quickly, one more. Two different points. I was just thinking, I was curious about um, your roadmap yeah. on the battery technology. Um, again, we see it on the renewable side of just extremely volatile, um, high degradation, extreme variance in heat, farming is in heat. So just curious around that, but also curious just around your technology that you're seeing on how you can um, help local farmers. Like, what data are you already seeing that's a success story that's making you know, lower labor or lower water issues or lower pesticide use? Thanks a lot. So the first one, I'll, uh, I'll make it short, is the battery side of it, right? There's a lot of work going on on batteries. But our whole goal is how do we give maximum energy to our farmers with maximum life cycle, which is what you talked about, is how long will this battery last? And for us, we don't need any advanced chemistries there. You know, the existing chemistries, it's a matter of getting the cost down to where the farmers can afford it and enough energy. Our tractor has more than 100 kilowatt hours of battery on it, and we sell that whole thing for less than $90,000 today. It's, it's pretty crazy, right? I think we can do more because we want to sell our tractor for $10,000 to $15,000 in India. That's the challenge on the battery side. On the safety side, we're able to leverage a lot of the good work that's happening on automotive and energy storage. So, you know, we try to productionize that instead of starting new chemistry work. So that's that side of it. You brought up a great question. I'll give you two small short snippets of how data's been amazing, right? We noticed that when our, we deployed our, our tractors to farmers, they started using it for all these mowing stuff, and we noticed that one of the farmers was getting like nine plus hours, and the other farmer was getting like four or five hours. Historically, they would not have noticed it. It would have shown up as diesel consumption. Nobody cares about diesel consumption on a tractor, right? But what we noticed was like, hey, why is there an energy delta our cameras that recognize the mower said that, hey, you know, we can see it. The mower settings are off. Yes, they're still mowing, but they're using a lot more energy for a simple operation. So we were able to, using AI, using vision cameras, say that your operation can be more energy efficient for the first time if you do these small adjustments, and for the first time, your, your operator now gets feedback. Historically, nobody would have noticed it. Maybe at the end of the month, they would be like, why is our diesel bill a little bit higher? Right, that's a big change. The second big thing is we gave our tractor to our farmers and we said, hey, you know, what do you want to use it for? You should probably mow with this. And they were like, no, I'm going to attach this weeding machine that's going to cut grass between these vineyards. We are like, why? Right? And they were like, well, we always wanted to use this machine, but we could not afford the labor cost of running this five times in a season. So we just spray chemicals right now. Once we spray it, it's done for the season. 
and the chemicals are expensive. So the best example for us was from a data standpoint, they are now able to see where they want to spray. They spray only in those places if there's a problem. In every other place, they use our mowing machine, the under the vine weeder, to basically cut the grass instead of spraying expensive, dangerous chemicals. Huge savings for them on the money side. They're able to use the data to figure out where and how to spray. They're able to use the data to run their operations for more efficiency, right? And this is happening in month three of our deployment. Yeah. And that's the power of AI and vision, right, coming off of the cameras of the tractor. I told you people, tractors. You didn't believe me. I saw the doubt in your eyes. Ravim, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot, yeah. Go look at the tractor outside. It is so cool. I'd like to thank Praveen for joining us at Code. I'd like to thank the Code audience for coming and asking those great questions. And I'd like to thank you for listening to Decoder. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I'd love to hear what you think of the show. You can email us at decoder at theverge.com. I read all the emails. Or you can hit me up directly on threads. I'm at Reckless1280. We also have a TikTok. You can check it out. It's at DecoderPod. Tons of fun over there. If you like Decoder, please share it with your friends. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. If you really like the show, hit us with that five-star review. Decoder is a production of The Verge and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today's episode was produced by Kate Cox and Nick Statt. It was edited by Callie Wright. The Decoder music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters. And our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. We'll see you next time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.